Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is former WWE superstar Al Snow, and I have created the wrestling brand, Collar and Elbow Brand. It's wrestling apparel made by a wrestler for the wrestling fan in all of us. The love, the passion you have for wrestling is in this apparel. Collarandelbowbrand.com. Buy it today and also round up your purchase and help support the former wrestlers who made it possible for you to love wrestling today. Go to collarandelbowbrand.com and help support Cauliflower Alley Club and their charitable efforts. To the only show that matters. The cream of the crop. Duke loves wrestling. And there is no one that does it better than your host. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. The Duke. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Welcome back to Duke Loves Wrestling, the show about pro wrestling and everything else. What the heck is going on, man? SummerSlam weekend was fantastic. It was just incredible. And I got a guy by the name of the Ring Scoops guy who's going to join us. He's going to talk about that. Really great conversation. Long conversation. We we get into that wrestling nerd detail about the wrestlers, their storylines, the whole nine yards, both NXT and uh, SummerSlam. So this is going to be something fun for you folks. Before I get to any of that though, I got to give a special shout out. Happy birthday to my homegirl, really good friend, little Noel. Okay, Noel Harlow Lagrazo. She's Big Vito's wife, former wrestler. She's a reality TV expert. You know, she has various shows where she covers that and everything under the sun. She loves Disney World. Just really, really cool, fantastic person. One of the nicest people that I know. And I would be remiss if I didn't say happy birthday to her. And, and just, you know, I really appreciate Lil Noel. In fact, folks, uh, you can go on to YouTube or you Google. You can find some of her content uh, when she was a wrestler, which is pretty cool. You know, she's a manager. She wrestled a little bit. You can also check out the Big Vito brand, the Big Vito brand, her entire collection of various podcast shows and what have you. She even had a really cool Teen Mom podcast for a while. Um, check her stuff out, man. She, she's really interesting and really entertaining. And her and Vito, they're, they're the perfect couple. They were made for each other. Vito's a lot to handle. He's, he's, he's a wild and crazy guy. But uh, little Noel, she keeps him in line, which is pretty awesome. So, again, shout out to Lil Noel. That's my homegirl there. And and with that said, let's just jump right into it. The SummerSlam weekend review coming right at you. SummerSlam 2019 was just an incredible weekend. Some really, really great quality pro wrestling content. And I didn't expect it. You know, I, I really didn't expect it at all because, it, it, as I said last week, it was one of those shows that, it didn't feel as spectacular as previous SummerSlams, and especially over the past 10 years. You know, the build just really wasn't as strong as it, as it has been. 
yet the, the quality of the pay-per-view, in my opinion, was pretty pretty solid. With that said, though, I figured, you know what, let me reach out. Let me reach out to a guy who, who is awesome, really does a great job with his pro wrestling content and what have you, and, and he has some thoughts on not only NXT TakeOver, but also SummerSlam, you know, the, the whole weekend in general. So without further ado, welcome to the Duke Loves Wrestling Podcast, my man, the Ring Scoops guy, a.k.a. Wade. What's going on, Wade? What's going on, Duke? How you doing, man? Ah, another day in paradise, brother. I, I, I'm telling you, man, I'm still not completely recovered uh, from the SummerSlam weekend just because it was awesome. That's my take. Overall, how would you rate the weekend in general? Uh, well, before I get into that, I want to thank you for allowing me to come onto your show. Um, I, I really appreciate that, man. Uh, but as far as uh, SummerSlam weekend goes, uh, it, it was a very action-packed weekend. I enjoyed myself for the most part. Uh, Sunday night was a little more exhausting than Saturday night. But, uh, yeah, you know, I, I think it was a, a solid weekend of, of pro wrestling or sports entertainment, whatever preference you have to call the uh, the product. I think it was a, a great weekend, man. You know, it's funny. You, you said that you were a little exhausted. What, hmm. What's your cutoff? If, if you could put a number, you know, by hour, half hour, what have you, what, what would you say your cutoff for? What's that sweet spot for a wrestling program that you're watching where if it, if it goes a little longer than this, then that's a little too long? You know, I, I'm, I'm a very traditional guy. I, I think um, for a pay-per-view, I think three hours is, is solid. Um, I know, like, Raw every Monday night is three hours. That gets extremely exhausting, in my opinion. Uh, but pay-per-views, if, if they can go anywhere between, like, three, three and a half, that's probably, like, the sweet spot right there for me. Maybe two and a half hours would probably be, like, the most ideal. Uh, anything after that, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm ready to go to bed. Yeah, that's that's a that's a pretty interesting take, and, and I think that most people who are consuming pro wrestling content in 2019 would agree with you. I'm a little, a little on the other side of the block. I mean, I, I can't get enough. I enjoy the fact that, you know, the longer the pay-per-view is, that means there's more matches, which means there's more wrestlers getting opportunities. And to be able to feel like I'm watching a, a championship sporting event uh, at least once a month, you know, I, I, I will build my day around that, which is not always easy to do. Um, yeah. It definitely takes a lot of mental gymnastics and, and scheduling and things like that. But I, I, I definitely can respect the fact that three hours is a pretty good amount of time. You can get eight to ten matches in three hours if you, if you schedule them properly. So I, I, I can see where you would say that. Um, and, and definitely raw three hours of raw every week. Depending on what the content is, it can drag. That's there's no two ways about that. Absolutely, and you know, like 20 years ago when we only had Monday Night Raws, two hours a week, maybe what an hour for Sunday Night Heat. Uh, if the pay per views were longer than what they were back then, I, I'd probably have a whole different take. But nowadays, three hour Raw, two hour SmackDown, you got a one hour NXT. And then certain pay-per-views, you have the two-hour, three-hour sometimes uh, takeovers the night before the, 
the four or five hour pay per views. I mean, that, it's just a lot of wrestling. And starting in October, we're going to have another wrestling program that's going to be every week that's two hours on TNT AEW. Yep. Yep. I mean, that's and a lot of wrestling to consume. And they're going to do quarterly pay per views at least starting out. So every three months, there's going to be a, a pay per view event on their end as well. So yeah. I like that. And it'll give the pay per views more meaning. But again, that's more wrestling content for you. It, it is, yeah. Content in your week. <laughs> you're yeah. going to be getting two or three pay-per-views a month. That, 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 you know, possibly there. It's going to get interesting. But I, let's let's jump into uh, NXT Takeover Toronto here. Um, the first match. The first match was um, on the pre-show. Breeze Angle. That's Tyler Breeze and Fandango going up against the Forgotten Sons of Wesley Blake and uh, Steve Cutler. What did you think of that? I actually didn't catch that one. Oh. I didn't. Okay. I, I, I wasn't able to get uh, to the takeover event until about 20 minutes into it, and that's when I, I opened up the network and started it from the beginning. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So you didn't see that um, or the, the, the Jordan Miles and, and Cameron Grimes match? No, I, I didn't even get to see the pre-show for SummerSlam either. Okay. Wow. Wow, the pre-shows are a little tough for you to jump into. That's good to know. I, I, I'll, I'll tell you that, uh, obviously, Breeze and Fandango, they make a, a fantastic tag team together. And they went over in their match against the Forgotten Sons, and it was a pretty pretty solid match there. I don't know what's up with the Forgotten Sons, though. i got to be honest. I, I'm not really – I feel like that gimmick really needs to be repackaged and, and, and made a little bit more serious than what it has been because at this point they just seem just like a bunch of dirty, grungy guys, and that's about it. It's kind of like, um, what, what was that show that was on FX with the bikers? Oh, yeah, so, Sons of Anarchy, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But unfortunately they don't they don't have that same cool factor. And <laughs> I don't have know. have one today. Well, yeah, right? I don't know if it's because of these guys or if it's just the way that they've been presented, but if you're going to make them a Sons of Anarchy type of group or an Aces and Eights like we had in uh, TNA years ago or even the Road Warriors when they first started off, they were a biker, they had a biker gimmick and then it evolved. you got to go all in, man. And I, I just don't feel like they're going all in with that gimmick, which unfortunately it just turns it into something that's not very interesting. And I, oh, I, I totally I, agree. I like the guys in it, but, you know, it's unfortunate. And then, obviously, Jordan Miles. I mean, here's a guy who has been on the indie scene for a long time. Um, he's been kicking butt all over the place. He used to be ACH. Now he's going by Jordan Miles since he signed with the WWE. Uh, in fact, he just won that breakout tournament uh, this week on NXT, right? I didn't catch it. Yes, he, he's being positioned as the next big star, um, which is cool, which is cool because he can definitely go. He can he can wrestle his butt off. ACH made his name in Ring of Honor and in and, and Japan and all over the place, so that's it's pretty cool that they're putting a little rocket behind his back there. All right, so let's, let's just go to the main card here since, since this is what you – you're a guy that's not dealing with the appetizers. You want to get into the sizzle. You just want your steak and potatoes and, and – Possibly a little dessert at the end there, right? Um, I mean, in this case, not necessarily. Um, it's just I had other things that I had to do at the time. Uh, normally, I do watch the pre-shows. Fair enough. Fair enough. 
Street Park Profits versus uh, Undisputed Era. The Street Profits, they won, retained their NXT Tag Team Championships. What did you think about this match? I thought it was a, a great match. Um, I've always been a big fan of red-hot tag team action opening up a pay-per-view. Goes back to the days where the Dudley Boys or Edge and Christian or the Hardys would always open up the pay-per-views because those were guys that can deliver. Those are guys that can go out there, they can get the crowd pumped up, set the tone for the night. And I think in this case with NXT, uh, Street Profits, incredible tag team, uh, the Undisputed Era, phenomenal as well. And when you put those four guys in the ring together like that, you're going to get some interesting things. And they, I, I, if I had to give them like a, a grade for that match, easily they get an A from me. Yeah, and, and and I totally agree with you. In fact, I I wouldn't. I would say that if it's not the best match of the night, it's definitely the second best match of the night. Um, what a hell of a way to open the main card of a pay per view. And I'm going to tell you right now, Montez Ford is a guy that. Everybody can recognize he's just talented. He can do so many different things. He's high-flying. He has a lot of personality and just a really interesting person that you can see. As long as his body stays healthy, he's going to go far in the wrestling business. But I'm going to tell you right now, I saw some things from Angelo Dawkins, um, Montez Ford's partner, that would just really sound wrestling for a big man and... I was pleasantly surprised with that, and, and it made me feel good because it's like, wait a second. Everyone's looking at Montez Ford because he's doing all this stuff, but don't sleep on Dawkins, man. If, if this guy keeps doing whatever he's doing and developing the way that he is, this guy could be a future champion. Absolutely. Uh, Dawkins is is incredible in the ring. Um, what I like best about Dawkins is that he doesn't really let his size – dictate what kind of performer that he is. He can move around for a guy his size. He can move around, uh, like, insanely. Uh, and, and I'm not saying that, you know, when, when I think of um, some of the guys that are in the NFL who are big guys, big linemen, what have you, and, and like a Vince Wilfork, which Dawkins is not the size of Vince Wilfork. So don't, I don't want anybody sending me any messages there, folks. I'm not saying Dawkins has a huge belly and all this other stuff, but his speed for a guy his size is just deceptive in a, in, in, in a very pleasant way. It's like, whoa, look at that move. Damn, look what he just did there. It's just, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put the farm on Dawkins one day being world champion, which I don't think too many people would necessarily say that because of what Montez Ford brings to the table. Everyone's focusing on him. I got my money on Dawkins, man. Because his wrestling style as well is going to allow his body to hold up for a longer period of time than a Montez Ford. Oh, totally. And and you're right. If people look at Ford over Dawkins, I think because of the whole, you know, he's he's got uh, a tremendous amount of charisma, and that goes a long way. And usually, you know, charisma is usually the the face of of the platform. Uh, Dawkins is the guy that lays the groundwork for the tag team, uh, and together makes a great tag team. It's a great dynamic for those two guys. Good call. Good call. And, and I'd give that, I agree with you, I'd give that match an A 
uh, all the way. I think it was a great match there. Uh, next up, we have Iro Shirai versus Candice LeRae. And, a, uh, and Iro, she won the match by submission. Candice actually was just knocked out. Like she, <laughs> you know, that's just the end of it. So the referee had to call it, I guess they call it a technical submission because she couldn't respond to the referee's count there. What did you think of the match? In my opinion, that was probably the best match of the night. I just, I loved everything about it personally, but but what did you think about the match? I I um, I was a big fan of the match. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit uh, biased for this match because of uh, Candice LeRae being in, in it. Um, I come from the School of Hard Knocks with Jesse from Jesse Hernandez training me with uh, doing commentary and whatnot in wrestling. That's where Candice is a, a graduate from as well. So we're both cut from the same cloth in that respect. Uh, so I got to give a lot of credit to uh, to Candice for everything that she's done in her career. Um, Jesse taught people very well. He's got a great track record of getting people into the WWE. Candice is a great worker. Uh, Io Shirai is a great worker as well. I saw her perform. Uh, back in 2015, when Stardom came out here to uh, Covina, California, great performer. And when you put those two in the ring, it is a hell of a wrestling match. Um, they have had a, a great story simmering over weeks, and I love the finish. Like you said, uh, Candice didn't tap out. She she pretty much passed out, which I think made her look strong even in defeat. Um a really, really good match. Uh, the pacing of it, I thought, was incredible as well. Well, and, and and I think those ladies really let everybody on the roster know something, men and women. Like this is how <laughs> you get it done. You know what I mean? And, and when I think back to the history of NXT, it's no different than a, a Sasha Banks and, and Becky Lynch or a Sasha and, and, and Charlotte. Showing people this is how you get it done. Uh, it's it just great wrestling, great storytelling, great timing. The pacing of it was perfect. Didn't really see too many botches or, or mix-ups, and if there were, they cleaned it up very easily. Um, yeah, man, that, that just for me that was the best thing going. So I, I'm going to give it an A, 100. percent I would say that was my favorite match of the night. You know, I give it a, I give it an A as well. You know what? I, what I like too um, about Io Shirai in, in this match was, and a lot, not a lot of people really comment on this as part of uh, wrestling matches, and I think it's a shame. But because of my background with uh, communications and you know nonverbal communication, and whatnot, the facial expressions of Io Shirai in this match yes. Were, yes. were great. Yes, yes. It's it's funny too because that little facial expression she she does in the beginning and then she starts going crazy anybody who is a fan of uh maga and, and all these different you know japanese cartoons and what have you you've seen heroines and and, and these different things make that face mm-hmm. and like you said they're telling you something you know what i mean where, where it's like it's you feel sorry for me for a second then she just flips out and it's like oh <laughs> which way do i go here whoa you know and, and, and Ido is, is, is just an excellent heel. She's not a good baby face, in my opinion, mainly because I think that she personally is more comfortable working as a heel. You know, I, I think I, she's more invested as a heel. I think so, too. 
and and she's more infe- she's more effective that way too. So if she's going to ever be a babyface again, I don't think she should do anything differently. Allow her to continue to to have this mean streak, and she'll just be a badass babyface. Uh, but I never want to see her in colorful outfits or anything like that. Put her in the black, have her come out and do what she does. She's not Oscar, where Oscar can wear a colorful outfit and still beat the hell out of you, and, and it's just like, hey, that's Oscar, man. That's just the way it is. Uh, you know, yeah. different. You know, a bad. She's a bad girl, and that's just the way it's going to be. You know, so good stuff there. Uh, next match: Velveteen Dream versus Pete Dunne versus Roderick Strong. So this is a triple threat match for the NXT North American Championship, which Velveteen Dream he retained. What did you think of this match? Uh, going into the match, I had uh, had a lot of excitement because these guys are great competitors. Um, and I thought, too, is a, it would be an interesting clash of styles between the three of them as well. Uh, with uh, Roderick Strong, he's like a chameleon in the ring. Whatever his opponent's doing, he'll be able to – he can adapt. He'll He'll do – whatever is necessary to tell a really good story. Velveteen Dream, his psychology in the ring is almost untouchable at this point. Uh, he could definitely get the job done in the ring as well. And Pete Dunne being the technician and just in-your-face brute force. So for them to come together was a, a lot of excitement. However, I think maybe they just put a little too much into the match to the point where it started to kind of backfire, just in my opinion. I mean, it's still a really solid match, but they wish they would have toned it down just a tiny bit. I, I don't know what it is and why you and I are continuing to agree with each other, because anyone who knows me knows that I am the king of disagreement. But, um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm like brother. Yeah, I'm seriously, man. And, and, and listen, don't get me wrong, folks. I was very entertained by the match, and I enjoyed most of the spots and what have you, but I couldn't help but feeling, especially during the match, damn, this probably would have been better if we would have had any combination of these guys just one-on-one. Yeah. The, the triple threat thing was too much. It was too much. And I think Velveteen Dream at this point is bigger than NXT, and, that, and that's some people are going to get rubbed the wrong way for me saying that, but I just feel like that charisma and what can be done with him, he doesn't fit with the current NXT. He really needs to be moved up to the main roster where he has a little bit more room to spread his wings and, and you know have more interesting feuds and things of that nature. The way that NXT is going today and where it's going tomorrow, Velveteen Dream shouldn't, shouldn't even be there right now. I agree with you on that. Um, if he was getting called up to the main roster, though, what what brand would you want to see him on? SmackDown with Bischoff holding the reins, or would you want Paul Heyman booking Velveteen Dream? I'm going to tell you right now, Velveteen Dream needs to be in a feud with Roman Reigns. I think that okay. you you treat Velveteen Dream. It's not exactly the same, but when you when you brought uh, Kevin Owens up, you put him right in there with with, with John Cena right away. I think yeah. you, you, you put Velveteen Dream in with Roman Reigns where he's obsessed with Roman. And, 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 or you can do the Say My Name thing all over again on a much larger platform 
And it doesn't necessarily have to just be with Aleister Black. It could be the say my name thing with everybody, where it's like you're going to treat me with respect. You're going to say my name. And if you don't do it, I'm going to beat you until you do it. He could do that with Roman Reigns easily, you know? So, yeah. again, with NXT and the way that it's going, they're, they're not going to take the belt away from the guys who are currently in the NXT championship title picture. Those guys are going to continue to feud, and they're going to continue to do what they do, and Ciampa is going to be coming back, and he's going to be part of that as well. There's no room for, for Velveteen Dream in that, and quite frankly, that's okay. Put him on SmackDown and let him be a big-time player. I mean, or, or Raw, whatever it is. Wherever Roman is, just put him there and let him be a big-time player there. What would you think if, uh, if they revealed that the Velveteen Dream was the one trying to mow over Roman Reigns? That's what I'm talking about. That That's just... Great stuff, <laughs> you know what I mean. And, yeah. and, and what if what if you make it seem like it's him, but it's not him? But you still put him and Roman in a feud with each other, and then come to find out it's not him. It's yeah. like there's so many miles you can get out of something like that. Um, but again, I, I, I almost feel like Dream is regressing the longer he stays in NXT. The, the crowd response is not the same. It's it's definitely dissipating because I think people are tired of seeing him down there. It's not because they're tired of him. It's just like, dude, what are you doing here? You know, like we you're bigger than this. So it just I don't know. But that that match, I'll I'll give it a B minus. I'm not gonna knock it all the way down. I'll, I'll give it a B minus because I think that there was a lot of good elements, but it just triple threat would it, it definitely hurt it. Absolutely, I, I give it. I give it about a B, B minus as well. Fair, fair. Next up, we have uh, Shayna Baszler versus Mia Yim for the NXT Women's Championship. Now, Baszler won by submission, and let me tell you something. Here are two women who have spent a lot of time on the Indies wrestling one another. They're former roommates. They're 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 friends in real life. People who know each other very well have, have been all you know all over the road with each other. This should have been the best match on the on the card. This should have been an awesome awesome match. Unfortunately, there were so many botches in this match, and I hate to say it, especially for me and him, because Shayna Baszler makes everybody look good that she's in the ring with, as far as I'm concerned. There were so many botches in this match with Mia Yim, so clearly there was some kind of communication issue. I was really pissed off with this match because I know that these ladies can, can, can put on a much better match, and I've seen them put on better matches than this. So it just it really disappointed me because that was my pick to be the best match of the night. So I, I'm, I'm really just not happy with this match. And I felt that this was a turning point in the pay-per-view where it, it, it really made me tune out a little bit because it was just, it just, it ruined it for me. Um, that's my take. I don't think you have the same take. What did you think? Well, you bring up a great point that before they got into NXT, uh, Baszler and Nim, they've worked together on the road countless times. And, you know, you would think that that would, uh, that would be a plus for, for, for people. You know, what they call, you know, in the business, uh, you know, getting married together in the ring, right? Spending all that time together. Um, you would think that it would have been a spectacular match. I, I think it was still enjoyable. 
Um, I'm with you on, you know, the, the match may have fell apart at times. Um, I do think that the uh, the other women's match was stronger than this one, which, in the case of it being a championship match, that's you, you don't want that happening. Uh, but Baszler is she's the gold standard of the NXT women's division. She does what she does best, um, which is just beating the crap out of people. And what I liked about Mia Yim in this match was that she was able to kind of throw out a, um, I don't want to say like a hardcore feel, but it was definitely a in your face. Like I'm, I'm not here for a match. I'm not here to just win a title. I'm here to, beat your ass kind of attitude. Um, but having said that, you know, uh, the, the match definitely didn't live up to the expectations that I had hoped it to be, just like how you had said. But I still think it was, uh, you know, a pretty strong match. I think they have great chemistry together. I I, I think it had, they have great chemistry together, and I think they've shown that everywhere but in this match. I, I just, like I said, I, I'm completely disappointed. And in fact, I, I, I'm going to take it a step further. It, it showed why Medium had no business being in that spot and, and, and Bianca Belair should have been in that spot. Because Bianca Belair absolutely probably would have had a better match with Shayna Baszler, and, and, and we've seen it. Um, and I like Medium. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I've been following Medium for a long time. And I've supported her for a long time. But there's something going on where it almost feels to me like she's hit a ceiling. And I think the only way that, that we can, you know, let, let's let's shut this down and let's restart. Put her in a tag team. Put her in there with one of these younger kids. Have her be the veteran that's, you know, helping them along and what have you. So she can be like a player-type coach. And let's 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 reinvigorate Mia Yim's career, and let's reintroduce her to everybody, and, and 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 kind of build from there. And then eventually you can split them off, and then see if Mia still has it as a single. But I really think that they're wasting her, and she's not going to last much longer at the rate that she's going there. The fans love her, don't get me wrong, because we know what she can do. But man, it is not translating, as far as I'm concerned, out there. I like the idea of putting her with somebody as a tag team. I would not be opposed to that. What's what's the what's the young lady uh, from China? Uh, she always calls herself Spicy. You, you know what I'm talking about. Who, who's part of NXT? Although she she really shined in May Young Classic. Um, what is it? Zia Lee. What is what is her name? Yeah, I believe that's her name. She got yeah. a great look. She looks like she's from the. Looks like she came out of the, the movie Bloodsport almost. Exactly, exactly. And she just she looks incredible. She's always keeping her body in top shape. She she can do some cool stuff in there. I think if you put her with a veteran like me, though, Mia Yim, and they they're a tag team, so they have to travel together. They have to you know really work on their craft together. I think it'll benefit the both of them. You know. And, yeah. And that, that's that's my take on that. So I, I was a little disappointed with that match. I just, I don't know. I, I would give that match a C minus, in my opinion. I just, uh, not happy with it. I think I'll, I'll continue with the uh, with the B average here. I, I, I'll give it a B minus. Fair, fair, fair. 
Okay, last match of the night, which was the championship match. Adam Cole, baby. Two out of three <laughs> falls match for the NXT Championship against Johnny Gargano. Cole wins two out of uh, three falls, but Gargano won one of them. This match, in my opinion, was horrendous for the first two falls. It was horrendous. It dragged. It, it just it was almost as if they were holding something back, which really annoyed me. Until the last fall, when when the cage came down, and then it got a little bit more interesting. Which I got to tell you, Scoops, I'm, I'm I'm sick to my stomach to admit that, because I'm not a guy that feels that gimmick matches and the hardcore nonsense and smashing people with weapons and all that stuff. I'm not a guy that believes that you need that in order to to have an entertaining match. But these guys held all their best stuff, in my opinion, for that last part of the match. So for me, I was already coming off the, the, the Shannon Baszler, Mia, Mia Yim match that was a total disappointment for me. And then you give me this crap, I almost turned it off before it was over. But I, but I kept saying in the back of my head, I was like, man, there's got to be something more of this. There's got to be something. And I didn't notice there was a cage above them. I never really paid attention to it. Which is, uh-huh. I don't even understand. I don't know if, if it, I don't know if you noticed it, but it was almost as if the the camera angles weren't wasn't really shooting it in a way that it was obvious there was a cage above them. When that sucker came down, I was like, oh, and then they just started going, and I was like, ah, that's the match that I was waiting to see. That's the match that they were holding back on. Yeah. So I I don't even know how to grade it because again it was the, the first two falls were so bad to watch for me for me, and then the last fall was so solid to watch. I don't even know what to say about it. But what's your take? What I thought was interesting was because the first fall was just a, a wrestling match, the second one was the street fight. That it took them so long for Gargano to take the chair and get the DQ and move on to the street fight. Um, I would have done it right from the gate. Like, as soon as the bell rings, slide to the outside, grab a chair, come in, and just waffle the guy. Get right into that street fight. And then I think the match would have had a whole different dynamic from that. The street fight didn't seem like it even lasted that long because of, you know, obviously because of the chair shot. So as far as continuity with, you know, giving the chair shots to, to, to Cole and whatnot and then having him just worn down from that, going into the third match. I thought that was all right. But I think still, I think the wrestling match itself, they should have just thrown that out the window. Because at this point, with this feud, it's more than a wrestling match. These guys just don't like each other. They got a lot of history. And and not just in NXT. These guys have had history in the indies. I was I was there uh, in 2013, going in 2014 for the Wrestling Cares Association tournament that they did out here in California. I worked every one of those shows. I did the scoreboard and the music for the guys. And the finals of that was Johnny Gargano and Adam Cole for the Race of the Ring. They put on a great match then. Um, so without a doubt, I knew that they were going to go into this match just tearing it down. A little disappointed with how the first two falls were. Like you were saying, it didn't pick up until that cage came down. Which, which lets me know again, they were holding back. They, Absolutely. I don't. I don't. I don't think that was the wrong thing to do. Don't get me wrong here. 
Uh, I get that they were saving the best for last, and that's fine. But like you said, if the first fall would have literally just been Gargano being so pissed off that he just decks Adam Cole, slides outside, grabs a chair, gets back in, and then nails him, and he loses the first fall. He sacrificed the first fall because he knocked his opponent out with that chair. You're absolutely right. The entire energy of it would have been so different, and it still would have led to a solid match in the cage in the end. Doing something like that would have reminded me of, uh, remember a couple years back when they did the um, the uh, Elimination Chamber match where everybody hit their finishing moves on John Cena and he was the first one eliminated and everybody's like, holy crap, Cena's out. We're going to get a new champ. No one knew it. No one saw that coming. No one. Exactly. Yeah. And, and the, the, like you said about the energy, the energy was different after that. Yep. The energy, it would have been the same situation in this match if Gargano would have done that right from the get-go. Yeah, yeah. Which, hey, I mean, you wrestle somebody as many times as these guys wrestled each other. It's hard to come up with new stuff. So I, I don't, I, I get it, but it just, that wasn't for me. Whatever they were doing those first two falls, that wasn't for me. Yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give that match... I'm going to give that match a C-minus as well. And the only reason why they're getting a C-minus is because the last fall was so good. It was worse than a C-minus as well. That was the worst <laughs> match of the night, in my opinion, because it was just, oh, my God. Uh, what is your take on that? Uh, you know, it, it's interesting because, like, I remember when they first said it was going to be two out of three falls, I thought to myself, like, this is what they did at WrestleMania weekend was two out of three falls for the title. What were they going to do different? But then they added the stipulations. Interesting. They didn't call it. What was what was the original name for a match like this, where they would have like different uh, three stages of hell? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know why they didn't just call it that. It would have been different. It would have been better marketing because for me, I see two out of three falls within four or five months of them already doing one of those matches. Just from the marketing alone, my interest wasn't all there. But uh, as far as a grade for this match, um, yeah, C plus, B minus, borderline. Yeah, you're, you're you're a lot more um, forgiven than I am. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm a huge Adam Cole, Mark. I really am. That, that, that dude is going to be the future of that entire company, I think. I'll, I'll tell you right now, I, I, in my opinion, Adam Cole is one of the biggest overachievers that I can recall, like, ever. Mainly because there is absolutely nothing about Adam Cole when you look at him. That is impressive. The guy's head is bigger than his body. The guy's <laughs> arms are not super jacked up or anything like that. Um, he's just—he's—I he, he, mean, I'm a—I'm a short guy myself. He's kind of a short guy when you compare him to a wrestling superstar. There's nothing that's so special about Adam Cole when you look at him. But when he goes out there and you listen to that crowd response, or even in real life when you see kids walk up to him and they're, they're screaming Adam Cole, baby, and all this. There's something about this guy that people genuinely appreciate and like. It, it's I, I think it has to do with his spirit, to be honest with you. I think he's he's genuinely a, a, a really good guy, so he's attracting a lot of positive. No matter what he's doing in wrestling, I think he attracts a lot of positive energy towards himself. Um, so I'm I'm all I'm all in on Adam Cole just for that reason alone. It's just like that's a good guy. I think I I don't really care. He's good in the ring. He he gets over. I just I don't know. I like him. So that's fine with me. He's all right. Yeah. So totally. And Gargano. I mean, I don't know, man. I I just 
I think that's funny. Is I've been hard on Gargano for a very, very long time. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love his work rate. I love what he does in the ring. I think he's got an interesting look, interesting character, phenomenal in the ring, trained by Les Thatcher. Um, my beef with Gargano early on, I don't have beef with him anymore, but my beef was more on a personal level over, uh, you know, some stuff that happened at, at a show that I'd worked where he was working as well, rather than I get into it. But, you know, Gargano's grown on me. Um, he, 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 I, I can't wait to see what Gargano's going to be doing with the company. I think this was his send-off. I think he's going to be going up to the main roster pretty soon. Well, that's that's pretty interesting. But uh, I will say this. Um, when you have Gargano in there with Adam Cole, you definitely see the difference. Mm-hmm. One guy's a star and one guy is not. And both of them are, are, are solid in the ring. Gargano, in my opinion, is much better in the ring than, than Cole. But Cole is very good in the ring, and he has that, that extra element of, of superstar. And for that reason, you got to rank him higher. So. Yeah. I just I don't know what the hell Gargano's going to do on the main roster because if you think that guy's going to turn to Daniel Bryan, good luck. You know what I mean? <laughs> and that, that's kind of harsh, but good luck. I, I was there at uh, the Era of Honor Begins, the first Ring of Honor show, crowded into a bus with a bunch of strangers all over New England because we were all subscribing to the RF Video newsletter. And one of the guys was like, hey, we're going to get a bus. And there was a little, you know, AOL chat or what have you, and we're like, yeah, 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 we'll all do it together and what have you. And we piled up into a van. We went to Philly for that show. And in the main event, Daniel Bryan was in that main event as the American Dragon. And low-key Christopher Daniels and one other guy was in there with them. Uh, regardless, though, it was a hell of a match. So Daniel Bryan has always been that special. And I don't see that in Gargano. I think Gargano is really good. But I think that there's a limit to where he can go. Whereas Adam Cole is a guy who could break through just like Daniel Bryan did. Absolutely. And and, and, and Chiampa, if he could stay if he could stay healthy, I mean Chiampa's another guy who could break through. So it's Yeah, just, oh, yeah I love that guy. Yeah. There are levels to everybody and, and it is what it is. So overall what would you rank the, the NXT pay per view? I'm gonna ask you that one more time there. What what letter grade would you give that? Um, I would probably give it a solid B. Same, same. I, I might give it a B minus. Um, I thought the beginning was awesome, and then it just took a turn at the Baszler and, and, and Mia Yim match, and didn't really recover enough. But overall, still a very good pay per view. I mean, there's not too many pay per views for any wrestling out there that you're going to find that was much better than that. I mean, it just yeah. didn't happen. You know what I mean? Maybe a Wrestle Kingdom, but that's about it, um, which is you know, a hell of a compliment. Let's move on to the main thing, though. So we, we had SummerSlam the next day on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And now you said you didn't watch the pre-show. So we'll yeah. skip pre-show matches and, and just get – well, let me, let me at least go over the results. Drew Gulak, he defeated Oni Larkin for the Cruiserweight Championship. Buddy Murphy uh, defeated Apollo Cruz, regular singles match there, but that was by disqualification. Alexa Bliss and, and Nikki Cross defeated the Iconics for the Women's Tag Team Championship. And I gotta, I gotta say this: this, this is a little embarrassing because the Buddy Murphy, Apollo Cruz, and the and the Women's Tag Team Championship match, those weren't announced until like three hours before the pay per view. It just, it was really 
I'm glad that those matches happened, but it was a little disappointing that they didn't use that and promote that from the beginning. So I'm just going to throw that out there. WWE, got to get it together. Um, with that said, first match of the night, Becky Lynch defeated uh, Natty in a submissions match for the WWE Raw Women's Championship. What did you think of that match? First thing that comes to my mind with this match here, surprisingly, is actually not the in-ring stuff. First thing that comes to my mind was the crowd. The crowd was so into this match. And I think it's for a combination of things. Uh, first thing, big elephant in the room, they're in Canada. It's from, and Natalia's from, the can, from Canada. So hometown girl, home country girl. Um, submission match. I, the reason why they did that, Natalia, she's a heart, right? I mean, that's, hearts are known for submission stuff. Uh, of course, Becky's got a submission move too, so it was, it was, it is natural. I don't, I don't like the idea though of how Natalia got into the match. I thought it was very lackluster. Uh, and then for their first outing like this at SummerSlam, big pay-per-view, with no previous matches with each other, that it's a submission match. Why didn't we build towards this? Shouldn't this have just been a regular match? Maybe Natalia wins by some kind of controversy or something like that. You know what would have been interesting is if Stephanie McMahon would have been there. Natalia gets the sharpshooter on, ring the bell, screw job. Do something going down the road to build up to a submission match where Stephanie's not even out there. You know what I mean? Something like that. I, I, that's my biggest beef with it. As far as the match itself goes, crowd was red hot. I thought they did put on a really good, solid match with each other. Just didn't like the way that it all came together. What about you? Yeah, I, I agree with you in that regard. I, I thought the build was lackluster, and it shouldn't have been lackluster for SummerSlam, of all things. I can understand if that was just a, a normal monthly pay-per-view, but that was for SummerSlam. Really, which, as I said in the beginning, SummerSlam in general was a lackluster build. I, I yeah. thought they did a very poor job of building this pay-per-view. It was a solid pay-per-view as far as action was concerned overall. Uh, but this match is a prime example. It, it just it, it came out of nowhere. Natty's going to be in. He's getting a, a championship opportunity. Why? Why is Natty getting a championship opportunity? Makes no sense. And the match was good, and it was a, it was a solid match to start the night. And I think the the crowd was into it. It was better than I expected it to be, which, you know, I, I'm not really a big fan of, of Becky Lynch's in ring work. I think she is another one where there's a little bit too many botches on her end there. Meanwhile, with somebody like Natty, she's very good at cleaning up people's mistakes because she's. I mean, she's a player coach, you know. So, and, and really, Natty is probably the best wrestler, at least for the women, and probably one of the top ten wrestlers in the entire company if we're really going to look at in-ring work specifically. Forget about the mic work and all that, just in-ring work. Natty, who, who's touching Natty? Um, it would have been nice if Natty would have won that match. That would have been interesting because no one would have seen that coming. And then you could have taken the, the, the belt off, or like you said, controversially, it could have been a screw job type of deal, and that would have been okay. That that would have at least made it more interesting than what it was. 
But nonetheless, they they did a good job against each other. I, I don't want to. The action itself was good. So, you know, I'll, I'll give that match a B, just because the action was so good. But you're right about the build; it, it was a terrible build. Terrible. I give it a B as well. I, I thought it was, it, they set the tone, a great opener. Um, you know, and here's the thing: just a small, small little tiny rant. Um, I, I hate it when people complain about, oh my God, they're in the opening match. What the hell? The opening match is an honor. Because you are the first person to go out there. I mean, granted, they had a pre-show with other matches on there. But this is the this is the main card, though. So it's an honor. Well, I was always taught coming up through School of Hard Knocks, Jess Hernandez. I was always taught that when you are chosen for your first for the first match of the night, that it's the promoter and the booker giving you their stamp of approval their endorsement, their confidence that you're going to go out there and you're going to deliver and you're going to let the crowd know this is how it's going to be done. And I think those two, in that regard, did the job at SummerSlam. Yeah, I, I, I think that there's, there's a lot of what you said that's fair. Um, I was definitely one of those people that complained about a women's match going on first. I didn't like that. But Looking at the card and how it was built and the types of matches that were going on, I can't necessarily pick out a match that should have went first instead. I have to admit that. I mean, maybe the AJ Styles-Ricochet match could have gone first. Um, That's really the only other match I can think of where it would have went first and it could have made sense. You're not going to put Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon first because you know there was going to be a spot in there. That was going to be a big high spot. So you couldn't do that. Um, so I, I get it. I didn't like it, but I get it. But fair enough. Uh, moving on to Goldberg versus Dolph Ziggler. And Goldberg, he defeated Ziggler. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. <laughs> did, did, the, did the, I don't even remember. Did the bell ring? Did the bell actually ring? I I don't I don't remember either. I wasn't really paying attention to that. I was just... I was just fascinated with what I saw. <laughs> Dolph Ziggler is a guy that is going to go down in history as what could have been. And he's going to go down in history as what as what could have been because he absolutely has given too much. And hindsight is twenty twenty. I know he, he was told by veterans through the years, you know, don't. Don't give too much, man. You're bumping a little too easily, too hard for these guys, and you're making them look too good. Take something for yourself. It's okay to be a little selfish here and there. And Ziggler just completely ignored that and continued to give everybody with his amazing uh, ability to, to bump around when somebody hits him. That spear that Goldberg gave him, where it just, it was the most vicious, it was literally the greatest spear of all time. And it was the greatest spear of all time, not because of anything Goldberg did. It had everything to do with how Dolph Ziggler jumped in the air and how he looked taking it. And even when he hit the mat, how he looked. It was just the best spear I have ever seen taken, ever. Even in football, I can't recall ever seeing a spear that good. (laughs) But unfortunately... That's Dolph Ziggler's legacy. He's a guy who looks good getting his ass kicked. 
and that, that that's terrible to say because here's a guy. I mean, Jesus, he he, he was a, a world class collegiate wrestler and all these things, and he can talk on the mic. He looks incredible. A very consistent career. Not too many big time injuries. Jeez, it just what could have been. You know, I I think that could work towards his advantage, though. Um, I'm the kind of guy that looks at silver linings a lot. Um, one thing about Ziggler is that when he's on the card, he's one of the matches that everyone talks about, whether he wins or loses. It's like the Shawn Michaels from the 90s, where Shawn always said, it doesn't matter where I'm at on the card, as long as I leave that that night where people were walking out of the arena talking about my match. That's what I care about. And I think that's, I think that is ultimately what's going to be Dolph Ziggler's legacy right there because I think that's all that summer for him. Dolph Ziggler's match with Goldberg is, is up there in the, in the top, top three things most talked about. Absolutely. Because of that sphere. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're, you're, you're 100% right. Um, and, and to Ziggler's credit, he's been able to maintain a job for over a decade with the WWE because of his ability to get his butt kicked and still look strong doing it. Which yeah. He to I mean, but, you know, when you talk about guys like Shawn Michaels and you talk about guys like Ric Flair, Ric Flair was always great at getting his butt kicked. Those guys remain champions, though. That's it's true. It's shame that Dolph Ziggler never remained a champion while contributing to everybody else's career. You know, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's one of those situations that it's a little unfair because when they finally pulled the trigger on him, he got that concussion. Yep. Yep. If it wasn't for that, I mean, his career probably would have been a hundred times different. Yeah, he, he would be, he'd be in a spot that Randy Orton continues to be in where he'd always be a championship contender. Yeah. And unfortunately, that is just not the case with Dolph Ziggler. It just isn't, you know. Uh, but still, that was that was fun to see. You know, Goldberg got pyro and, and the sparklers and all that stuff. Get all that stuff back, which WWE hasn't used that stuff at all in the United States. You know, they got rid of pyro a long time ago. Yeah. So to to see that, you really need that for Goldberg. That's part of his gimmick. <laughs> You know, if you're use Goldberg, give us Goldberg. Don't give us Goldberg light. We want the whole, give us real butter. I don't want to have, I can't believe it's not butter. I want the real stuff. <laughs> so that's what Goldberg was, man. You know? Yeah. That's a great Going analogy. There. I love that. <laughs> that's what it is, bro. We, we, we got the real stick of butter there. He went in there. The match didn't last a minute. He just went in there, did his thing, and it was over. Like, yeah, that's what we want. <laughs> you know? Yep, yep. Build them up, and then some baby face can take them out, and that's okay. But come on, give us give us Goldberg, man. <laughs> so, that was good. That was good. Um, yeah, the match lasted. It's it's the runtime literally is a minute and fifty seconds. Figure that one out. Wow. Okay, that, and, and and that was probably fifty seconds too long, but it was okay. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on here, uh, AJ Styles defeated Ricochet the United States Championship, so he retained. And AJ came out with Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows, uh, the OC. I, I mean, what are you going to say? Anything AJ Styles is in is always going to be better than most things. 
I don't know. I, I will say that I'm impressed with Ricochet's ability to slow it down now, and, and he's wrestling a style that makes a lot more sense. When he does the flippy move, he's doing it at the right time as opposed to just doing it too much, in my opinion. He still has beef with me over that, which he'll get over. It's, well, maybe not. Who cares? Um, but there was no way in hell you were going to have Ricochet beat AJ Styles at SummerSlam. That just wouldn't have made sense. So, yeah. But what did you think of the match? Uh, you know, when you see those names on paper going up against each other, you're, you're going to think to yourself, like, this is probably going to be a match of the night. Uh, I was hoping it would have been. I don't think it was. I was far from it, in my opinion. I thought the storytelling was really good. Uh, those guys can definitely drive a good story with each other, especially with having uh, Gallows and Anderson on the outside. Um, the pacing was, was, was okay in the match. Um, the, uh, the timing. A lot of, you know, I remember... And I remember 20 years ago on a lot of these like talk shows, everybody would always talk about timing in matches. Nobody talks about timing that much anymore, but it's a very crucial thing in matches is, is having perfect timing. These guys definitely have it. Uh, as far as like what they did in the match, though, like it just, oh, it just it wasn't there for me. Oh, I'm going to take it a step further and, and, and build upon what you're saying here by saying I don't think they mix. I don't think AJ Styles and Ricochet is a good combination. I think that their styles are a little too similar. And I think that what Ricochet really wants to do, AJ Styles is far too experienced that he knows that it doesn't make sense. So that's not going to happen. So you have yeah. a guy like Ricochet who's already wrestling in a manner that is a modification from his instincts. And you have a guy like AJ Styles who is literally having to rebuild Ricochet. You know what I mean? Where it's like, no, you gotta you got to come down here and do it this way. And I think that is what, so like you said, the timing is fine because they're both very good. But the entertainment factor isn't what you would expect it to be. They're a little too similar. They're a little too similar, which somebody could say that about AJ Styles and Seth Rollins, yet the matches that they have are much better than anything AJ Styles and Ricochet have done with each other. Absolutely. So that's – it is what it is. And Ricochet is still learning, man. I mean, he, he's still young. He's still young in the company. And I think that he, he's a handsome guy, but he would have been much better if they would have kept the mask on him. If he would have done something like the Prince Puma thing, like he was doing a Lucha Underground, I think that would have been awesome. And he probably would have gotten over a hell of a lot more than he has been. And the fans like him. Don't get me wrong. But I just feel like it's almost like a Finn Balor thing, where you're constantly going to be having high expectations, and you're constantly going to walk away feeling like it was good, but there was something missing. That's just, it is. I like what you said though earlier. You said about AJ and Ricochet. The, the reason why the match probably didn't go as, as good as it, it could have been is because they're too similar. Um, that, when you have guys like that, when they're almost exact replicas, minus the Finn Balor AJ Styles match, but I, I tacked that up to experience over style. That was phenomenal. What they did years ago. But with AJ and Ricochet, I think Ricochet would be more complimented in the ring if he went up against a guy like a, a Bobby Lashley or a Cesaro or even a Chad Gable. Sure, sure, for different reasons. I mean, obviously, with, with 
Lashley or anybody else big like that. It's it's big versus small. It's it's uh, strength versus speed. That's easy, common sense storytelling. With yeah. Chad Gable, it's it's you have a wrestler and then you have the aerial guy. Again, mm-hmm. that's easy, common sense storytelling. With AJ Styles, I mean he's the most complete wrestler on the roster. There's nothing you can do that he can't do and make it look better. I just don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it just that was not built to work. It just it doesn't. Which is okay. I mean, you got to find out the hard way sometimes. Well, maybe with a match between those guys, maybe they should put something with like build up to a ladder match. Give to give them something to kind of work with, with uh, considering what both their styles are too. Sure, sure. I don't, I don't disagree with that. You know, you know what, what, what's another uh, a modern example of that? Charlotte Flair taking on um, Lacey Evans. Their styles are a little too similar. Mm-hmm. They look, now, mind you, all right, folks, I know that Charlotte Flair is a much better wrestler than Lacey Evans could ever dreamed of being. But you got to understand something. These are two powerful women. These are two powerful women. They're built like brick houses, the both of them. And they both have a little bit of size on them. They don't have good matches with each other the few times that they wrestled each other. And the main reason why is because they just it, it, the style is a little too similar. It's not going to work. They're big girls who can do flippy moves when it's necessary. And you put them against each other, and that there's no storytelling to tell them that. It just, so that's what this was, which it's okay. It just don't continue to put them together because why? Unless, again, which is my assumption, you're trying to teach Ricochet the WWE style, and that's what AJ's job is. I'm going to teach you how to continue to keep it slow and, and rebuild you, which, you know, it is what it is. Um, next up, we have Bailey versus Ember Moon, and that's for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Bailey defeated Ember Moon. Whew. Uh, Scoops, uh, you got to go before me, man, because I, I got so much to say about this match, uh, but I want to hear your take first because I'm curious. I, uh, I think the SmackDown women's division needs something. I think the Raw women's division is – I was having a conversation with a buddy of mine the other day about this. Um, the, Smack, the SmackDown women's division is, is just lacking something at this point. Raw women's division is, is picking up some steam, especially with Sasha Banks coming back. Um, but I mean, I like Bailey. I, 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 I dig the character. I don't think it has transitioned as well over to the main roster as it was in NXT, but I think it's still there. Um, I think she's a great worker. Ember Moon, I, I think her being popped into this match is like the whole same thing with, uh, with Natalia being popped into her match with Becky just kind of came out of nowhere because the last, last thing I remember Ember Moon was in a, a program with uh, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville, and they kind of just dropped that, and then Moon popped into a match for the title at SummerSlam, and it's just, I just don't, I don't know what it is. I, I, I mean, with all due respect to both women, I think this was the weakest match on the card for SummerSlam. I, you're not wrong. I'll tell you that much. And, and listen, let me tell you something. I have been saying for years, Bailey 
and Becky Lynch are two of the most talented wrestlers that you'll ever see, but they continue to get in their own way in the ring with these botches. I mean, just complete missteps and and messed up timing and all this other nonsense that is so consistent uh, amongst the two of them that it's hard for me to ignore, which is unfortunate because you got somebody like uh, Becky Lynch who, you know, she's been around a little bit and and she's traveled all over the world. And then you got somebody like Bailey who legitimately is a great teacher. She teaches other people how to wrestle. And she's been around all over the place on the indies and all this good stuff here. So when I look at this match, and it's funny, I had my bodyguard watch this match. I, 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 I had to sit down and watch this match. And I said to her, I said, just tell me what you see. And she's not a big wrestling fan, right? So, and I, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a guy that gets a lot of heat out there, Scoops. So that's why I have to have a bodyguard with me. Uh, <laughs> public bodyguard, because you know how that goes. got to have my muscle with me. Yeah. She's watching this match, and the first thing she says is, I don't know what Bailey's doing, but Ember is, is, is carrying her. And it's like, yep, Ember, Ember wrestled herself. <laughs> like she, she legitimately, there were moments where Bailey was, her timing was so off that Ember had to bring herself down and push herself towards wherever the hell Bailey was, because Bailey's follow-through was just all messed up. But it was like Amber anticipated that it was going to be messed up. So she just, it, there was just so many moments in this match where Amber Moon had to do, she beat the hell out of herself. I, I, it reminded me of, of the feud that Big Show had with Ryback, which was literally Big Show throwing himself around the ring for five minutes until the, until the referee called the bell because Ryback couldn't wrestle for anything. And what Bailey did in this match was so embarrassing. I don't know what the hell was going on. And then what was even more embarrassing was the fact that Ember Moon was still able to make it look halfway decent. So then you got to say, well, WWE, what the hell are you doing with Ember Moon? And why isn't she in a real title picture? And why hasn't she been champion before on the main roster? Because this lady can can clean it up. <laughs> I mean, literally, she was cleaning it up. And she could wrestle her ass off. Yeah. So it just, you know, really, I'm not impressed with Bailey's work. I'm not, I mean, Becky, I am, I'm impressed with everything but her in-ring work which has been that way. But Bailey, I'm really disappointed in because I actually have expectations for her. And I notice with Bailey, the only time she has any decent work is when she's in there with Sasha Banks, Alexa Bliss, or Charlotte. That's ridiculous. That's the only time she does anything right. People who really can carry her in the ring. She really takes that four horsewoman thing to heart, doesn't she? <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, if she doesn't have one of them carrying her in the ring, it's as if she just doesn't. She definitely doesn't make anybody else look good in the ring. She just doesn't. And I don't know what that's all about because, again, she's very good at teaching. Everyone gives her credit for teaching her and working with her on stuff. So I don't mm-hmm. really get, you know, how does it translate? So I don't know, man. I, that that was the worst match. Not only was it the worst match of the night, it was the worst match of the weekend. Just really a, 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 a 
disappointing effort there. Um, I'll agree with you on that one, for sure. Yeah, which, again, no fault to Ember. I give Ember all the credit in the world, man. <laughs> that was not easy circumstances to wrestle under, and she, she did what she could. Yeah. So. Next up, we have uh, Kevin Owens defeating Shane McMahon. Had Owens lost, he, he would have had to quit the WWE. And Elias was a special guest referee. What did you think? Um, this was a match that reminded me so much of the kind of matches that they'd have 20 years ago. Especially as like a big presentation on a stage like SummerSlam. I know I've seen a lot of people, including myself, make the comparison of, you know, Shane versus Owens is like Vince versus Steve Austin. You know, it's a lot of similarities there. Um, As far as the way, like, the match goes, where, like, Shane trying to stack the odds up against uh, Kevin Owens reminded me a lot of, like, the build into Over the Edge 98, where McMahon was the referee, Patterson and Briscoe were uh, timekeeper and... uh, um, ring announcer, which uh, still to this day don't understand how being a ring announcer stacks the odds against somebody, but I digress. Um, the, the way they put this match on, too, uh, having Elias out there I thought was smart because I don't think the match would have been the same if it was just strictly Owens and McMahon out there. Um, Elias is a great talent, and to, to have him be the third guy to play off of I think worked out very well um, because then it added to, you know, the finish. Um, it wasn't completely Shane's fault uh, going in his loss against Kevin Owens. Uh, I'm glad that Kevin Owens won because I, it, I think it would have been going back to what they did two years ago and even a year ago. It seems like these guys have been feuding for two, two and a half years and, and they kind of have on and off. You know, it's when, Remember when Kevin Owens headbutt Vince a couple of years back on SmackDown and led up to the Hell in a Cell match. Um, just, I hope that they, and it doesn't look like they're going to after watching SmackDown this week, but I really hope that they would take both these guys in a different direction. But, you know, I, I, I love the match, actually. I, I, I thought the match itself was very strong, especially considering who was in the match. What about you? Yeah, I, I thought it was better than than what I anticipated it was going to be. I knew it was going to be, you know, just if there were if there was a bathroom break on the card, this was probably going to be it. You knew that you could get about ten, fifteen minutes away and come back, and maybe you'll just see the the finish, which will probably be where the high spot is at some point, and that would be good enough there. Um, which I guess not so much with this. The runtime is only nine minutes and twenty seconds, so not much of a bathroom break. Um, it was fine. It wasn't great. It wasn't terrible. It was fine. I don't. I don't like the concept of using Kevin Owens as a Stone Cold Steve Austin character. I think that he's a much better heel and antagonist. I can't stand his Stone Cold Stunner. I think it's terrible. <laughs> it's disappointing. He can't. He can't hook the head right, man. He, he just. He can't get the hook right. Um, and I think it, it's disappointing that he doesn't have his own move like dude just use your own finisher what the hell um but i get it and it's not it's not a bad thing to be in there with a guy like shane because shane's going to help you he's going to get some heat and and that's going to work out 
So it was okay for what it was. I, it, it's fine. But I, I, I would like to see this feud be over, though. So I'll tell you that. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's run its course. That's for sure. Uh, next up, we have Charlotte Flair versus Trish Stratus in a submission match. And in my opinion, this is the match of the night by far, which was this. This was a this was a submission match. It, you know, it was supposed to be a submission match. What, what, what was the finish on it? No, it, it wasn't a submission match, but she won by submission. That's what yeah. It, was. it wasn't a submission match. It was just Legend versus you know the, the current Big Shot, uh, but she won by submission with the with the figure eight. Um, but I, I, I love this match. I thought it was the best match on the card. I I did not expect that. I didn't expect Trish Stratus to look as good as she did. And this was not a situation where Charlotte carried her either. Trish actually was there for her spots, and, and, and she actually was, you know, she followed direction. Charlotte clearly called the match, but she followed direction, and she was she was right there with everything. You expected her, since she hasn't wrestled in a long time, to, to have some real ring rust, and she didn't look rusty at all. In fact, she looked better than most of the women on the on the roster who wrestle all the time. Which is an embarrassment. <laughs> That's an embarrassment, by the way. That's a travesty that this woman, who, who went off and had kids and is doing some kind of yoga wellness stuff, can just come off the street and wrestle better than the majority of people on your damn roster. Crazy. And it's funny how she started her career being eye candy as well and worked her way up to being what she is now. I mean, I think, and this is a term that's been thrown around a lot in wrestling, but I think it works with her. Trish Stratus is an icon in women's wrestling. Absolutely. Absolutely. She and has I, busted I her ass to get where she's at. I think some people don't want to give her enough. You'll You'll hear people accept it, but I don't think people want to truly give her the credit as being a really good wrestler. And let me tell you something, in that match, that was some really good wrestling going on. Yeah. You know, and, and it was it was just, it was better. It was better than anything I could have imagined. It was better than everything else I saw. So, it, and you didn't need more than what it was either. That's the other thing. They didn't need any silly gimmicks in that match to make it work. So, good stuff, man. That was, that was really good stuff. That was, that was, not on the same scale, but close enough. That was that was Rock and Hogan, except Trish actually really worked in that match. Yeah, you know that's a great comparison there, man. I, you know, my only complaint, if I'm even allowed to have one with this match, because I thought it was damn near perfect. Um, I just didn't like the idea that it was put together like a week before yep. SummerSlam. Yep, terrible build. Terrible yeah. build. Just the worst build for a match that deserved so much more. And the build was so bad that fans didn't really care about the match until halfway through the match. And I was like, wait a second, this is really good. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? And I'm, and I'm one of them, too. Like, I had to go back and watch it again to, like, fully let it digest. Yeah, because you didn't expect it. You're like, ah, oh, yeah, whatever it's going to be. Trish is going to botch and... You know, she shouldn't really be in there. And, you know, it might be quick and whatever. And then I was like, wait, it's still going. This match lasted for 16 minutes and 40 seconds. It wow. It second longest match on the entire card. Wow. Okay? 
And the match that was longer than it was was Kofi and, and, and Randy Orton, and that match lasted five seconds longer. Man. Put that into perspective. Yeah. And I almost feel like the match was probably supposed to end sooner than it did, but they told him, keep going. Just, just keep going, because this is too good. Just keep going. And they figured it out. But, you know, that also lets you know. First of all, I let you know what kind of icon, like you said, Trish Stratus is. That's just amazing she was able to do that. But it also lets you know Charlotte Flair is still the, the class of the WWE women's division. Okay? She's still it. She's still the, the sun that everybody's revolving around. And it's okay that, that Becky can get her the man shine and all that crap right now and Bailey's getting some kind of whatever. But Charlotte Flair is the sun and Sasha Banks is the moon. And and we can never forget that. And and, and how it's they great go, to see. Okay. Good. Uh, sorry, I was just gonna say it's just great to see Sasha's back and she's gonna be working with Becky. Yeah, and, and I hope that she attacks Bailey at some point too. But yeah, that that was great to see on Raw. Just as a side note, there, folks, Sasha Banks returned with blue hair and beat up Natty, beat up Becky. And that, that beating that she gave Becky was so vicious. It was just vicious. She slapped the taste out of her mouth. Forget about the fact that she beat her <laughs> in a chair over and over again. The slap that she gave her was one of the most vicious. I, the last time I saw a slap that good was probably from Ric Flair when he slapped Sting when the, when the horseman kicked him out of the horseman. <laughs> they kicked Sting out of the horseman. Flair was slapping Sting in the face real good. That slap that she said, oh, where's your balls at now, Becky? Bow! Smacked the hell out of her. Oh, that was great. That, that, was, a, that, was, that was a moment. That was, that was definitely <laughs> a moment. Well, you know, it felt real to me, David. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, Charlotte, uh, Charlotte Flair versus Trish Stratus. Charlotte won by submission. Best match of the night, in my opinion, by far. 16 minutes, 40 seconds. I'll let you know. They they wouldn't have gotten nearly that much time unless, you know, the company felt very comfortable with whatever they were doing in that ring. Uh, next up, we have Kofi Kingston versus Randy Orton for the uh, WWE Championship. And this ended in a double countout. I thought this was going to be the match of the night. Yes. Same here. And it, it just it was not the match of the night. Now, unfortunately, great storytelling with these guys because it goes back 10 years. Yep, yep. I thought the videos that they had building up to it, like, and, you know, it, it seems like the theme that we've been running with so far tonight talking uh, is that the, the build for SummerSlam is, is, was extremely lackluster, but I thought that the, if there was anything they did right with the build going into this entire pay-per-view, it was definitely for this match. The finish did not equate to what the build was, though. No, no, not even close, not even close, which is unfortunate because these guys both deserve better than that. Yes, absolutely. And I don't think you need – SummerSlam is a, is a top four pay-per-view of the year. It's one of the big four. You don't use SummerSlam – well, you got to tune into the next pay-per-view to see what happens. No, SummerSlam you're supposed to settle beefs or, or there's supposed to be some kind of – plateau that happens here and it just wasn't that 
And not only that, unfortunately, Kofi's kids, when the camera was on them, they really weren't prepared to, to show the emotion that they were supposed to be showing. So there was something about the timing. The, the kids were supposed to be concerned and upset, and they did that maybe once or twice, but the camera kept flipping back to them, and at times the kids just looked bored. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't into it, you know what I mean, which maybe it would have been better if they didn't tell the kids what was going to happen beforehand so you could have gotten real emotion out of the kids. But it just Absolutely. I don't. I think that they they might have made a mistake with that. They outsmarted themselves with that. But it wasn't a bad match. It just the finish was terrible, like you said. Yeah, and going back to you know what you're saying with uh, with the kids. Also, uh, you know something to add on to that would be uh, the duration of the show. Up to the point where this has gone on, I mean, it's been a couple hours. True. You know. Uh, Good point. Yeah, and and there, you know, it's it. it three hours ahead of where I'm at. So it was like, what, 8 o'clock? 7, yeah. 8 o'clock at night at that time? Like, man, especially being a kid that age, I remember being so so tired, ready to go to sleep by like 8, 9 o'clock at night. Well, not only I can't that, even I imagine that if you were in the time. crowd. They don't live in that time zone. Yeah. So that that's true, too. Doesn't help it at all, either. Yeah. That's a good point. Good point. Yeah, because so you know, that jet that. lag is different for adults than what it is for children. Sure, sure, sure it is, and and they definitely look tired. So I, I said bored, but now that I, now that you say that, yeah, that was more fatigue than bored. Good point. Yeah, good point there. Uh, next up, we have the Fiend Bray Wyatt. He defeated Finn Balor in a match that wasn't even really a match. I don't know what the hell that was. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, it, the, the entrance is all that we really cared about because um, it was awesome. Changed the music and the, the 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 lantern that he brought out, which is Bray Wyatt's face with the mouth open and the light in the lantern is in the mouth. That was all crazy stuff, which is great. Um, they got to do something with Finn Balor, man. I, I, this guy is just, he's hurting he is hurting. And just for a guy who was the first Universal Champion, they have not come close to capturing what Finn Balor could actually do. It's it just it ain't there. And I don't know what it is, but I, I'll, I'll tell you this much though. I think they need to put him in the OC. Oh yeah, I've, I've seen a lot of people on social media say the same thing. Just put him in there, let him be himself with those guys. Yeah. I think there's there's some kind of a disconnect right now. I mean, at least I personally speaking, with me and Finn Balor, like I, I can't I can't get into his character, I can't get into uh the personality that they're having him portray right now on T V. But if they just let him be himself and put him in a group with his friends, like it goes back to like the nineties. Like I, I didn't really give that, that much a thought about a guy like Hunter Hearst Helmsley but when him and Shawn Michaels got together and they were just, they said, screw characters, just be ourselves on TV, started DX, and it was just golden. And I think that could be a big, you know, uh, inflection point in the career of Finn Balor if they would put him in there with his friends and just say, do what you got to do, bro. Well, I mean, here's what it is. 
you let Finn Balor come out like like Rocky Maivia came out, and then he joined the Nation of Domination kind of reluctantly, and then cuts the fans about uh, all the nasty things they said about him. And yeah. Balor can can make those same accusations, whether they're true or not, and it would work. It would work. And he can have the attitude or what have you. And later on, him and, and, and AJ can feud, which is fine. But you can get a good year out of that, that, that pairing of, of the four of them all together and, and see where you go with it. Yeah. So that's, But this, I don't know what the hell you call this. I don't know if it's really a match. I mean, it's three minutes and 25 seconds of Bray Wyatt reintroducing himself to everybody and beating the hell out of Finn Balor. I don't even know what kind of offense Balor got. I don't think he got much at all. Nah, you, know, you, you got one shot to get it right with the, with the fiend, and I think they definitely hit their point with it. Uh, the production was phenomenal. The like you said, the the lantern was incredible. Somebody on my Discord actually had a, a, a pretty decent idea that I thought if it was fine tuned would be really cool. Imagine if like when uh, when the fiend is in a program with somebody when they finish it off, that that person takes time off and that person becomes a lantern for the next couple of weeks. Huh. I like that. Yeah, where he walks around with his victims. Kind of reminds it would be like a like a macabre version of what Jericho was doing at WCW. Remember when he unmasked um Hoovy? So he he would walk around with the mask on like a necklace and he uh he took uh Dean Malenko's integrity and he had Rey Mysterio's knee brace and all that stuff. Like you know, there were trophies to him. Uh, the Finn uh the Fiend should do that with his opponents, where they become his lantern, and that's his trophy. So it's like the movie Predator. Remember, they would always take the the spine out of whoever he killed. That was his trophy. Good point. The only the only challenge with that is, I mean, you couldn't. I guess you could do a new lantern every week, but I, you would have to limit how often he wrestles, and limit that to a new trophy every pay per view. Well, yeah, that's why I was saying, like, instead of doing every week, like, every, every program, that way it wouldn't even have to be every pay-per-view, because you could do, like, a two-, three-month program, and then he changes it up. But even when you're in a program with somebody, you still got to wrestle somebody else. You still gotta, Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So that's the challenge. But that could be explained. You just Maybe you do what you do with Braun Strowman. You just have him wrestle a bunch of enhancement talents until the pay-per-view where he wrestles who he's in the program with. Yeah. That could work. That could work. I like it. I like that. And yeah, it's then, something a little different. And they could sell those things. That, I mean, that's the that's the money making part of it. It's like, geez, <laughs> sell the lanterns <laughs> with all these different faces. Why not? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Cause especially yeah. with Halloween coming up. Oh yeah, that's good stuff. I like that. Yeah. The main event of the night: Seth Rollins versus Brock Lesnar for the Universal Championship. Uh, Rollins defeated Lesnar in a. a I was completely surprised with this finish, and, and, and I was even more surprised at the fact that Brock Lesnar bumped his backside off for, for Seth Rollins. I mean, he let Rollins do whatever the hell he wanted to him. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much, right? I mean, that was uh, different than what we've seen from Brock Lesnar in recent memory, especially with a guy the size of Seth Rollins. Well, and you know, and and forgive me for being a little mischievous with this here. I almost feel like they were making fun of uh, Dean Ambrose, a.k.a. John Moxley. 
because he was so critical of Lesnar, how Lesnar didn't want to do anything for him, and he wouldn't even go over the, the plan with him when they worked together, and it's like he didn't care, and Brock doesn't care, and all this other stuff. Then Lesnar goes out there, and he just bumps all over the damn place for Seth Rollins. Just completely bumps his butt off. That's crazy. I never really thought about that, but you make a great point on that. See? Yeah. See? You, you, you're going to say that I don't care and that I, I'm not going to bump for anybody anyway and I'm not going to do this and I'm not going to, I'm going to listen to that. Let me show you some mother effort. He goes out there. <laughs> he, made, he made stuff wrong. look like Superman out there. Oh, yeah. It just, I, it was almost too much. It's like, damn, I don't want to see Brock Lesnar get dominated by Seth Rollins. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. It, it definitely I thought there was. I thought it was a really good balance, though, give and take in the match. Because Brock started off like a beast. Yeah, we thought the match was over. Like it, yeah. was, like it, it normally would be. And then it just it flipped, man. It flipped. And you know something? Lesnar gave... Daniel Bryan, everything, too. I mean, Lesnar beat the hell out of Bryan, but he sure as hell allowed Bryan to do whatever he wanted to do with him last year at, what was that? Was that Survivor Series? Yes, um, yes, it was. Where he did the same thing, too. And it's just, that was just complete respect. And yeah. even though Bryan was playing a heel at that time, that was the beginning of his, his heel run, really. Um, I was really impressed with the fact that Bryan... He lost that match, but he looked so strong in losing that match. And uh, Lesnar just made Rollins look like a million bucks at SummerSlam along the same lines. This was actually my favorite match of the night. I can see that. I can see that. Yeah, I, I give it an A+. Plus. I, I I don't have any any major complaints. If there was any, like, if I watch it again... Sure, I'll find stuff that I'll nitpick. I don't have anything to complain about. I think the the right guy won the match. I thought the pacing was good, at the good balance of give and take. Uh, it lived up to the hype. Um, it was shocking to see Brock actually go out there and, and put on a match. And uh, he reminded us that he's not just a guy that comes in and takes a paycheck and goes back to his farm. Yeah, he's Brock Lesnar. He's a guy who can do anything and everything. <laughs> yeah, a modern-day Andre the Giant. Good point. And, and, and I can understand why you'd say it was the best. It, it, I, I got to go with Charlotte and, and Trish just because I didn't expect that match to be as great as it was. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why I give it a slight nod over Lesnar and Rollins. But I, I would say that Lesnar and Rollins was the second-best match of the weekend. Oh, well, yeah, if you're putting it in terms of what was the best match, easily Trish and, and, and Charlotte was the best match, but I thought I had more fun watching Seth Rollins and Brock Lesnar. I mean, there's two different things there. No, 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 you're right. You're absolutely right. That's fair. That's fair. So so what do you rate the entire SummerSlam pay-per-view? Oh, see, that's, it's tough um, because I thought the undercard, I mean, with the exception of the opening match, I thought the undercard uh, kind of felt a little lackluster. Uh, definitely, like, the last couple of matches. I mean, granted, despite the finish of Kofi and Randy, I thought they still had a really good match. Um, I think the uh, the last three matches of the night, four matches maybe, 
were the best part of the pay-per-view. Um, if that had to translate into a grade, uh, I would probably give them probably a C plus B minus, leaning more towards the B minus. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I, I give SummerSlam a, a, an A, straight A. Wow, okay. I give them a straight A. I thought that there was very little, with, with the exception of the, the, the Bailey-Ember-Moon match, which was just horrendous. Um, I don't really have much of a problem or anything else. I, I thought even the, the – I, I keep in mind, I saw the pre-show matches too. Um, yeah. But I think, yeah, I mean, I didn't like the finish of Randy and Kofi, but that was still a really good match. It was cool to see Bray Wyatt as a fiend, even though his match was just a showcase. It was basically a squash match. Goldberg Ziggler was a squash, but it was fun. The yeah, I I gotta give it an A, man. I, I absolutely give it an A. Open. Well, I, I think with with my grade, I'm also including the the, the build. Yeah, well, see, I can't do that. I don't think that's fair. I don't I don't think that's fair because. I'm grading the pay-per-view. What did I see that day? If I'm grading the build, then, yeah, I, I don't disagree with you at all. I think it, it, it's a it's a C-minus if I'm going with the build because of the build. It has nothing to do with the wrestling. Well, the reason why I include it is because as far as storytelling goes, you have to have a beginning, a middle, and an end. I mean, how can you can you, can you you honestly can you critique a movie if you don't include how you got there? Yes. Really? Well, here's what I mean by that. The build for a movie is the advertisement. When you get to the movie, you get to the movie. You watch the movie, that's the action. That's the that's the finished product. Everything mm-hmm. before that is the marketing. Yeah. So the marketing doesn't have to be the best thing going for me to be into the movie. If the movie's really good, I don't really care how bad the marketing was. So that that's my mm-hmm. only critique of that. I mean, everything everything that happens is leading up to the movie, right? Yeah. The main event, everything that else that happens on Raw and SmackDown, what have you, is leading up to SummerSlam. And it was terrible. Like, hey, I, I started with that, bro. It was the worst. But damn, that pay-per-view was good. That was really good wrestling content going on. But, and I agree with you on that. I, I thought it was a very good pay-per-view. I, just, I personally would give it an A. I mean, like I said... When I say C plus B minus, I definitely lean in a lot more towards that B minus. It's still up there in the B. That's A, man. C's get degrees, so if it got a B, it's still good. Well, I, I just think that, and I and I've seen some things that you posted online. So you know, I'm going to preface this. I just think that you you're you're kind of just being contrarian just for the hell of it because you want to give WWE a hard time. You know that was the best pay per view you've seen all year. And yet you're going to give them such a low score. I don't agree with that. It's funny that you say that, though, because I've heard from a lot of people the opposite. They say I'm too soft on WWE. <laughs> you can't please the ball, brother. <laughs> no, it's that's true. It's, that's very true. I've had people tell me uh, that some people have actually stopped listening to some of my content because they say that that I, I babysit the WWE a lot because I don't talk about what I don't like. Um, and it's, it's 
that's not true at all. There's a lot of things going on in WWE that I don't like, but as I got older, I started to realize that, like, why would I spend time talking about stuff that I don't like? I would rather cherish the stuff that I do like and, and, and revel in that. And I think that's just part of me growing up a little bit. Well, and, that, and that's, a, that's a great way to look at things. Um, I think also as we get older, if we're being honest, it's a lot easier to understand why things happen the way that they happen. Like, you know, people, oh, I want uh, the, the Attitude Era back. Well, the Attitude Era doesn't attract advertisers. And what the WWE has been doing over the past 10 years has strictly been for the purpose of attracting more advertisers, which has allowed them to have record profits. The, the greatest period in pro wrestling history for any company in history the amount of profits WWE is, has experienced. And it's all due to the fact that they've been able to attract more top-level advertisers. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, you know, blood and guts and all that other good stuff is great, but I get why they're doing what they're doing, and it makes sense. Yeah. You know? And uh, going back to, like, the style of critique and whatnot, it kind of reminds me of something uh, that one of my professors told me when I was taking uh, some film classes. Um it was drilled into our heads from the get-go that after we finish those film classes, that we will never watch a movie the same ever again because we would understand different shots. We would understand what goes into making a sequence, how to, how to block a scene, you know, do all the different stuff, right? And they were right. I never watched a movie the same after that. I think the same thing translates over to wrestling where if you, if you, get into the business and you're working shows and you see how shows have developed on an independent level, which WWE pretty much, they, it's much bigger scale, obviously, but I mean, they still at the very core do the exact same stuff in the Indies. And I spent about six and a half, seven years of my life working with Jesse Hernandez and other promoters out here in Southern California, where it's kind of like, I know how the sausage is made. So my critique is a lot different than it would be say, 15 years ago when I had absolutely no idea how shows were put together. Good call. Good call. Again, that's just maturity. That's education. And you, you definitely don't look at things the same way once you get educated on how the sauce is made. That's, that's a good call. Good call. Yeah. Listen, Scoops, if, if uh, our listeners here, if they want to, reach out to you or if they want to check out some of your content. I mean, this is a great time to plug everything. I, I actually, you know, I did my research and Little Birdie told me that you might be dropping a new episode of, of one of your shows coming up real soon. Let everybody know how, how they can reach out and, and check out your stuff. Uh, yeah, absolutely. If anybody would like to check me out on social media, I'm uh, more active on Twitter than any other platform, but uh, across Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. My username is the same at Ring Scoops. That's you know, obviously all one word. Uh, R I N G S C O O P S. Ring Scoops. Um, I'm also on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash Ring Scoops Guy. And you're right. Got a new episode of one of my podcasts coming up pretty soon over on RingScoops.com. I, I do uh, about five different podcasts. I do a, a rebooked series where at a spin of a wheel. Randomly, a person gets called up, and me and my co-host come up with a, a storyline on the fly for 30 minutes. 
I do one called uh, Retro Ring Scoops, where I review old pay-per-views, Q&A, where I answer your guys' questions submitted on Instagram, do a news program, and Ring Scoops Now, which is something like what you and I are doing here on your podcast, which absolutely, I love your podcast, man. I listen to it often, and uh, you, you, bro, I kid you not, man. I've been, trust me, I've been around the block. You have a solid show here, and I give it my full endorsement, bro. Wow, that's that's a big deal, especially for a guy who, who's been in the game for Jesus twenty years. Uh, that's that's a big deal, man. I, I really appreciate that. Absolutely, dude. And you know, uh, something I want to kind of like talk about real quick, if if if, if I'm allowed an extra minute here to kind of rant sure. about something. Sure. Um, a few weeks back, you had uh, you had sticks on your show talking about what happened on the AEW. Yes, right? sir, I did. My man sticks. Yep. Yeah, I feel for what happened to him because what happened to me in February at the Impact Wrestling tapings in Vegas. I had a very similar situation. They put me at, at, at the arena there at the uh, Samstown. There's there's a little bit of like stadium seating, but for the most part, it's all on the ground. They put me in the very very back, man. I was behind seven rows. I didn't see, like, 90% of the show that night. And I reached out to Samstown. They told me everything that went up to that was my fault. They they pretty much told me, fuck off. Pardon my language. Impact, though, because I've been part of their media list since 2003. I reached out to Ross Foreman, their media guy, their PR guy. Dude, work with me on this. What happened with Sticks? I don't know if, if anybody has worked with him on this, but I remember when it all went down, seven days had gone by, and nobody had reached out to him from any of the organizations, and that's a travesty, man. Especially in this day and age. Shit needs to be done. Again, pardon my language. I'm sorry. I don't know you know, oh, how you are with, with the cussing room. However you feel. But if well, – what's, what's the update with Sticks? Has, has anything been rectified for him? Of course, nothing's been rectified, and, and it, to be honest with you, they didn't even reach out to him until he was on the show, and then you know some of the websites started doing articles about it. Yeah, they, they completely ignored the guy. Oh man! Until that happened, and then since then, they—I guess—they're assuming that he's just going to go away. I hope he's not going to give up on it. Got to keep pushing that. Well, and, and and something that he said to me that I thought was very poignant, where it's. This is bigger than me now. This is this is about advocacy for everyone in the disabled community because no one should be treated like this. And, and, and he's absolutely right. I, I, I yeah. completely agree. And, and just to, to clarify, you're part of the disabled community. Yes, I've I've been in a wheelchair for the past 20 years uh, since I was 15 years old. And so this situation is very close to home for me. Like I said, it happened to me just this year alone too. So I. Dude, my heart goes out to Sticks for what happened to him, and I'm going to do anything I can to help him out. I remember when I when I first heard him on your show, you guys were talking about what happened. I I, I went right to uh, the connections that I've made in the past 20 years to try to get the word out there. I had Aaron Riff from NoDQ.com uh, retweet everything to get the word out there. I, I reached out to my buddy Andy, who runs PWMania.com. Um, I tried to tag uh, some of the the guys that are from out here in SoCal that work for AEW, like Rick Knox, I try to tag them because they're very approachable guys. I, I, I've, I've met them. I've worked with these guys. I thought that they would 
see that, recognize me, and be like, what's this guy talking about, and open their eyes up to it and talk to their management about it. Apparently, that hasn't happened, and that sucks, oh. and I, I, I feel very horrible about that. Well, listen, I, I really appreciate the fact that you have utilized your resources to spread the word, and that's probably why they reached out. You know, you, you're one of the people that really took the information and ran with it and allowed it to, to spread because it, it definitely did spread like a wildfire. We got a, a tremendous response to that. And then out of nowhere, they called him. They didn't email him, which he left his, his information. He left his, uh, his social media in the interview, if you noticed. He didn't leave his phone number. They went through Ticketmaster, allegedly, and got his phone number and called him. Wow. I don't even know how that's possible. But yeah, <laughs> that's a right. It'd be against like privacy agreements and stuff, right? Like, <laughs> hey, hello. <laughs> but if I'm not mistaken, he, he said that they—that's what he was told—that that they went through Ticketmaster to get his number, which is just embarrassing. Um, but I, I will reach back out the sticks and circle back, and, and yeah, man, I'm, I'm with you. Let's continue to keep the pressure on. I I don't have a problem with AEW as a company. I know a lot of folks who listen. I'm glad that you brought this up. They have they they listen to the show and they hear some of the things that I say. I've been kicking WWE's ass for years on yeah. things that they that they've claimed that they're going to deliver that they don't on issues like 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 sexism and racism and, and and CTE and union busting and not paying women equal pay. I've kicked WWE's ass on those issues for years, and and slowly but surely a lot of that stuff has has, has improved. Not perfectly, but, you know, it's a work in progress. But something has been done, which I, I can't imagine guys like us, ladies like, like those out there as well who are keeping the pressure on them. We're, we're, we're forcing change. Whether they want it or not, we're going to force the change because that's the right thing to do. So AEW is not exempt from these conversations. When, when you say you're a diverse, inclusive environment and then you, you treat somebody who's in a wheelchair, like they don't matter. And then you don't even have the decency to reach out to them when they reach out to you and let you know that they had an issue. Don't tell me it's the venue's fault. The same people who own AEW own the venue. They're all in this together. Yeah. Somebody's got to fix that. And the fact that they continue to not make that a priority is an embarrassment. It is a complete embarrassment. Absolutely, especially in this day and age. So I'm glad that you you brought that up, man, because we we can't let them off the hook on that. That that's just you know. But you, hey, listen, you heard what they said, those scoops. They're going to focus on their their main fan fan base. Yeah, right. Main fan base. <laughs> you know what that means. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're not guys that look like us. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, or think like us. That too. That yeah. Too. That's, that's good stuff, man. So we'll we'll definitely circle back with you on that. Um, because you, you're right. We we do need to continue to keep the pressure on, and let folks know that. Listen, every every WWE event that I go to, there are there are designated um, seating for folks in wheelchairs and, and and disabled and what have you, and no one can stand in front of them. Mm-hmm. So yep. when I heard what Stick said, I just. I, I, I couldn't wrap my brain around because like, I've never been to a show where that was a thing. What the hell's wrong with these these folks here? Like seriously? Yeah, and that's definitely more on the venue. And like you said, 
guys that own AEW own the venue. So in a way, it's it's actually more connected to AEW itself than compared to if it happened at the WWE event. Sure. Um, there's been a couple times where I've been give I've been given WWE tickets for like a birthday or a Christmas, and sometimes you know people that give me tickets they don't. They don't think about, you know, like some relatives, they don't think about, oh, you got to get, you know, handicap tickets, right? They just get regular tickets and give to me. And I'm like, ah, I got to go through the venue now. So I, and the venues have always been very good. I, I, I always hit up the box office, explain the situation to them. They rectify it. But the venue here isn't doing anything for sticks. And that's, that sucks, man. I don't understand why they're not doing that. Why can every other venue across the nation do this for people? But that one particular one, who is ran by the same people that put the show on, why are they not doing anything? And that that just goes in line with everything else going on with these folks, where it's just you're marketing one thing and you're delivering something else. At what point does that stop? You know, at what point does it stop? We're definitely going to keep the pressure on and keep monitoring that situation, and, and they're going to change. They're That's right, to change. Tony Khan and Cody Rhodes. You guys are going to be put in the, in the pressure cooker. You got That's you right. got you got us after you guys, man. We're not going to stop. That's right. The heat is on. Any last words for everybody there? Um, thank you guys. Uh, and, and Duke, thank you so much, man, for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. Um, I'd like to extend the same courtesy to you anytime that you'd like to come on to uh, one of the shows on Ring Scoops. You're more than welcome, bro. The welcome carpet is definitely out there. Don't even have to ring the bell, man. Just open up the door. Come on in. How cool was that? My man Wade, he's, he's, he's a good guy, man. He knows his stuff. And what's really interesting is that we were able to go over all that content and it wasn't until the end that you found out by the way this guy is part of the disabled community you know he's in a wheelchair and that certainly has not stopped him from living a fantastic life and, and enjoying himself and being part of pro wrestling for so many years 20 years you know in various capacities especially as as a guy who has podcasts he's written for various websites he has done work at indie shows, the whole nine yards. So, he's a good guy, great perspective. And he's right. You know, AEW's got to get it together. And, and this thing with, with the handicap accessible seating at that venue that they had uh, the pay-per-view at, it just, I don't get it. Fight for the fall and believe it was. I, I don't get it. So... We're, we're going to continue to revisit that with sticks and, and, and advocate for folks in the disabled community. We have to. It's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. So, that's that. Folks, we're going to be covering some more great wrestling content. We've got some great interviews coming up. A big name. A really, really big name in pro wrestling and MMA. I'm not going to jinx it. I'm not going to say his name out loud. But... I got something coming up that you're really going to enjoy. It's not going to be next show. It's going to be show after. But tune in next week. Maybe I'll reveal the name. But it's going to be fun. You know, and I think you folks are really going to be surprised about this one in a good way. So stay tuned. Anyway, be kind to yourselves. Be kind to others. This is the Duke signing off saying bye-bye, everybody. 
This is Tony Schiavone, and we're desperately out of time on Duke Love Wrestling.